when we move back, would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5? Here's what we're going to be doing. Today we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 5, and what we're going to take a look at is, is primarily the, the essence of what family is like. Husbands to wife. By the way, if you're single, this is as, as critical to you as it would be to a married couple. The principles of the Word of God, the principles that we are going to learn are, are, are common to all of us. But the, the whole thought that, that God, in His wisdom, placed two ordinances in the New Testament for the, what we call the church age. He gave us the church. And fundamental to the church is we are to preach the Word of God to anyone and everyone that comes in to our doors And when we preach the Word of God, we are to tell them about the Savior, that they too can know God through Jesus Christ, who has revealed God to all of us. And because of His death on the cross and the shedding of His blood, we can have a relationship with Him and we can have our sins forgiven. That's the the stamp and the very essence of church, to equip one another so that we, we, we become all that God wants us to be. The second ordinance that God placed within the New Testament times that He revealed was marriages. And as we're going to see here in the fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians, He reveals the mystery that was why marriages have been given to us. Now marriages started, as we're going to see next week, but we're going to see in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 that God started marriage before he started almost anything and everything else. When, when he said to Adam, Adam, it is not good that you are alone. I will make you, God says, a helper that is suitable for you. In other words, I will bring someone into your life that is equal to you. It is Someone who will support you, who will make you complete, Adam. And then God brought to Adam a woman that he had fashioned, the Bible says, in Genesis, out of one of Adam's ribs, and he brought her to the man. And when he did, God says what Paul quotes here in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 31 He says, for this cause, we're going to see this in a moment. I I want you, husbands, now he's talking just to us, men. Husbands, I want you to leave your mothers and your fathers. That does not mean to disrespect or not honor your parents. It just simply means you are no longer to be the, the son. You have become something very special. And that is, you have become a husband. And God says, husbands... You're to love your wives like Jesus Christ loves you, the church. And so it says in that verse, For this cause a a man will leave his mother and his father. He will cleave unto his wife. And then it mentions the two of them. And the two of them shall become one flesh. Both of them, it says, were naked and both of them were not ashamed. We're going to find out the depth of what that means in the weeks to come as we study through this family series. 
entitled, and I'm, I'm not the, the first one to have thought of this entitlement, but it's reverse the curse. There is a, a curse that is appearing in our lives that we need to stop. Now, as we move back to Ephesians chapter 5, we've come to a place where Paul describes the very foundation of every relationship on the face of this earth. And here in chapter 5, starting with verse 21, going through Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 9, he names all of the relationships that, 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 that are touched upon, that, that have the very principles of what relationships are, are built upon. If you look at Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21, it says, We are to be subject to one another in the fear of Jesus Christ. The foundation upon all of life is found upon the very principle of authority and submission. In the weeks to come, next week, maybe not the following week for sure, I will show to the husbands as well as to the wives why the word to a woman when it says you are to be submissive, <laughs> you are to be submissive to your own husband. That is a word that stings a woman deeply and rightfully so. I'll show you exactly why. And I'll show you how you are to deal with that sting. And so it says we, though, in verse 21 of the fifth chapter, we husbands as well as you wives are to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. And so let's read this tremendous, tremendous place in Scripture. And watch how Paul ties all things together. Men, women, husbands, wives, children, parents, workers, non-workers. I mean workers and, and those who are the bosses as well as the employees. And here it uses the word, in the sixth chapter, it uses the word slave and uses the word master. But better in our day and age to be translated employer, employees. But let's read verse 21 of chapter 5. Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, be subject to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Forgive me, I know that that makes me laugh. That's, that's, a tough, that's a tough verse. Verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself up for her, that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word, that He might present to Himself the, the church in all of her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does also the church, because we are members of His body. Verse 31. For this cause... This cause being marriage. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother, shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, 
but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each individual among you also love his own wife even as himself, and let the wife see to it that she respect her husband. Chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Slaves or employees, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and with trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as man-pleasers, but as a slave of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, render service as to the Lord, not to men, knowing that whatever good each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he be a slave or free. And masters, you do the same thing to them. Give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there's no partiality with him. I, I, I mean, I absolutely love this place in Scripture. It, it teaches every level, of, every level of, of, of relationships across the board, from husbands to wives to children to parents, parents to children, employees to employers, and vice versa. And key to it all, as we're going to come back over and over again, is verse 21 of chapter 5. Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. And as our Lord said in the 6th chapter, He says, look, you do these things knowing that it's Me that you're pleasing. It's Me whom you're serving. And He says, I'm not partial to any group. I'll treat you all equally. It's, it's, it's an amazing place in the Word of God. So let's, let's get into this. This is a, an amazing series. We'll be in it for some weeks to come. And, and uh, it, it'll, I, I can make you this guarantee. It'll be, it'll be fun. We're going to have some laughs. And we're going to have some time to retrospect and, and understand what it is to really know what it is to love one another. Especially in the relationship of husband and wives. And so... God bless you, Bonnie. Am I going too fast? Okay. Father in heaven, would you please bless this time that we have been given? And would you, Father, move me aside so that you might allow us to behold everything that is, is foundational to the very essence of what is a, a command that you have given us to build our church in a rightly fashion so that we might honor your Son and then build our marriages in such a fashion that we also honor your Son so that in both cases, people who are curious will be able to see the very essence of Jesus Christ in, in our churches and in our marriages. As Paul makes mention after he's saying, for this cause a man shall leave his mom and dad and shall cleave to his wife. The two of them shall become one flesh, both naked, both not ashamed. Paul says this mystery is great, but he's speaking with reference to to Jesus Christ in the church. And so our marriages are to represent you, Father. Please allow us to see this clearly. I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.
Godly order within a family, there's the general principle of mutual submission. Some men get it wrong. They think, oh, they're the head of the house, therefore they are to be the boss. No, no, we are to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. God has gifted each of you, husband and wife, in a very special way. It is a, it is a wise husband who finds what is his wife's gifts and allows her to have authority in that over him, just as he might have authority over her in certain areas. We are to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Without submission and without godly authority, there will always be chaos. Period. Period. I'll use these symbols some as we go through this. Most marriages, are, a lot of marriages are like this. They're like this, where people are just arguing with one another, not really wanting divorce, not really going to separate, but just, just don't understand why you don't get along. The Bible is going to teach us how and why this happens. And the Bible is going to teach us, instead of being like that, this with one another, we will be like this. We will be caring for and loving for one another, treating each other with respect and love. That is a very possible thing. I can tell you, I've been married to Kay for... She's not here, thank God. Uh, who can do the math? Uh, 70, I don't know, I don't even remember that. We've been married for 36 years. Give or take. I, I've... I think that's about right. Kathy probably knows more than I do. But anyways, I can tell you with all sincerity, I love her more today than when I married her. I find her more attractive today than when I, when I saw her walk down the aisle the very first time. And I couldn't wait to put my hands all over once I married When I watched her walk down that aisle, man, I, I didn't want to have no, pre, no party, nothing. I wanted to just, bye, thank you, see you guys, have a nice day. <laughs> But one of the greatest tragedies within our lifetimes of couples is the, the progressive death of family and marriages. And you know what it's seen through? It's seen through the blatant disregard of authority and submission. It, it's not really understanding one another. Not really understanding your wife. Not really understanding your husband. And you know who the victim in all of this is? I'll tell you exactly who it is. It's not only the family. It's not only marriages. It's our country. It's our churches. And what made me burst into a tear the first service caught me off guard. It's also our children. You see, one of the reasons why these are up is not so much for you and me today. I, 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 to be honest with you, I could care less. But I'm glad they're here. They're here because of Rooted. They're here because... Maybe the young people, I don't know, I don't get it, but maybe they'll feel a connection. I'll tell you something. I don't care about certain things. In, in, pillows, I don't, do you have, what is the deal with pillows, ladies? You know, how many pillows, you know how many pillows we have in our home? We have more, we cannot sit. When my wife fixes up the, the room for people to come over, there's no place to sit because there's just pillows everywhere. I'll let you know this. I hate pillows. 
But I'll tell you what, I love my wife more than I hate pillows. And so now I love pillows. I put up with pillows because it makes her happy. And if she's happy, the big guy's happy. And so this is done so that you and I might be able to reach the young people in our, our church. Make no mistake about it. I'm sick and tired of losing a generation of young people. We're losing a generation of people because of the dis... dis, dis in, oh, gosh. Disintegration. Because of the loss of the family. Disintegration, right? Close enough. And we're desperately losing the generation of young people. And I, I don't want to do that. I will do everything within my power to make this church something that will be attractive to our young people. I, I know for some of us who are older, that the music's loud. I, I get it. I'm not naive. I, it hurts my ears too. But I'd rather have my ears hurt than to lose one young person. And so I, I will put up with that. And I'll tell you another thing. Craig, who is running our music, is one of the most godly men I've got the privilege of knowing. He, he, he honors God and he worships God and that's all he wants to do. I don't want to lose a generation of anyone. And we are losing this battle of families and marriages within the church. You know, in, in, in years past, the, the divorce rate within this country in which we live was, was enormous but the church, the church was, was holding itself together. It wasn't falling apart. But today, I'm sad to tell you that divorce within the church is almost equal to that of the world. What, what's going on? This confusion about a godly marriage has crept its way into churches. And you know why? I'll tell you exactly why. It's because we don't hold on to the Word of God. We don't hold on to His standard for marriages. Most of it is, is because most people don't understand what does the Bible say about marriage. And the Bible has much to say about marriages. As you're, you're, we're going to find out in the weeks to come. But you know what's wrong with most churches today? Or, uh, forgive me if this sounds like I'm an old man that's just, uh, just, just angry. I'm not. I, I am righteously, I believe, angry. Because we have pulpits that are being filled with, with men who study the Bible and, and nothing happens. They don't understand a word they're reading. And so rather than to get into this adventure of studying the Bible word upon word, line after line, because that's not easy. That is, that is not like a, 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 something that will grip you. You know, uh, here we're going to study on and you can make up a fancy title. And we have some pastors that are really good at making up fancy titles. And then they study, they study just uh, topically. Let, they, they don't understand this. This makes no sense to them. So they, they figure out, what does Christianity mean with the television show Lost? What? What does that have to do with anything? What does the Bible have to say? And so these guys are reading their Bibles. They don't know how to do a message. And instead of going to their congregation and saying, look, I need to step down. I, 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 I can't make sense out of what I read. We need to find someone who will feed us. No, no, no. They stay in the pulpit and they, they make up these 
these topics that they study. I wish I had the right to go to every one of them and say, Ooh, is that a quarter? And when they bend over to pick it up, I'm going to boot them. And say, get out of the pulpit for crying out loud. Find someone that can teach the Word of God so that we're not losing a generation of people. People going to hell. And so I say, for you and for me, enough is enough. It's about time we, the church, declare war against this world in which we live in its ways and, and live out what the Bible taught us about marriages and about families and in, in so doing, we'll find healthy, God-blessed marriages, healthy, God-blessed families and children. And we'll fulfill all that God has designed for us within the church and also within our homes. There'll be happiness and joy and blessings and rewards that God wants to pour out upon us if we'll just be obedient to His Word and cling to it. You see, in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul hits the nail directly on the head. And of course he would. He was being inspired by God. And so he says in verse 31, for this cause. Well, as we're going to see next week in Genesis chapter 2, this cause is marriage. God was about to marry Adam and Eve. Think about it. He says to Adam, I want you to leave your mom and your dad. Read the Bible. Think about it. Who was Adam's mom and dad? You see, he had none up to that point. God was establishing marriage from that point forward. For everyone else that married after Adam, they had a mother and a father. And he is saying, you are to be the husband. I want you to... I want you to leave your mom and dad. And it's not talking about disrespecting them. Rather, we are to honor our parents. But he says, I want you to leave your mom and your dad. And I want you to cleave. I want you to cling. I want you to bind yourself to your wife. And note, men, note, he is not speaking to the woman. The woman will do that automatically if, 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 if we as men love our wives like they need to be loved. When I do a counsel, as I did just a little while ago, I give no books to read other than the Bible. Unless, the only time I would ever give the husband a book to read is if the wife wrote it. Because there's no reason for you to figure out how to love your wife unless she tells you. I can tell you how to have a wonderful, happy, romantic, wonderful evening tonight. But you'll have to go home with Kay. As I don't know what makes your wife tick, but by golly, I know what makes Kay tick. Oh, man. I, can go, <laughs> I know how to go home and have either a very romantic evening or I could also get us into a fight if I so choose. I know. Because I know my wife. I've made it my business to understand my wife. We're going to get to a place where we're going to talk out of 1 Peter where it says, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. You know what that is? That's a farming term, gentlemen. That means you don't plant, you don't plant, whatever, I don't know anything about planting anything, but you don't plant tomatoes here if they won't grow there. You plant tomatoes there where they'll grow. And so he's saying to a husband, live with your wife as a farmer would his land. Don't, don't, don't plant tomatoes where they won't grow. 
And because of that statement, I have made up the phrase, men, the moment you say I do to that woman of yours, you've just bought the farm. It is yours to keep up. And I've had some men come to me and say, man, my farm is very, very vast. (laughs) It takes a lot of upkeep. (laughs) And that's why I say you ought to know the person you marry. You ought to know who you marry. We'll talk about that. It's going to be so much fun. But Genesis, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31 is a direct quote out of Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. It's where God institutes marriages. But until Ephesians 5, we never knew why God gave us marriages. And you know why God gave us one husband, one wife? Why God wishes us to have intimate relationship with one another? Because Paul says in verse 32, this mystery, this mystery called marriage, is great. It represents Jesus Christ and the church. You see, as we study through the relationship of a husband and a wife, marriage, it is a picture of Christ and the church. It is the most intimate love a couple will ever express through marriage. It's the intimacy of man and woman. It's the intimacy of love through sex. It's the birth of children, and it is the overwhelming love that you have for a child. Have you ever wondered why? You have this unbelievable love for this child. It's as close as you'll ever know of the love that Christ has for you. It's the closest you'll ever know of, of love that is, is pure. You know, the kid can mess with you every single day and you still love him. Same. One of the greatest moments in my life happened about five and a half years ago. I'll never forget it. When they dropped the casket down, I want to go, never forget that day. It's the best day of my life. Close it, bury me. We're sitting on the couch. My son was holding Dylan, his two, maybe, I don't know how old, two months, let's say just that. It was about then. He was holding his son and he was smothering him with his kisses. When I was, my son was young, he wouldn't let me kiss him a lot. And I was watching him just smother this kid. He was like washing his face with his lips. He's kissing him and kissing him and kissing him. And I'm sitting on that couch and I'm just, I'm just in love with this moment. It was one of the most precious moments in my life. But then it went and hit, it hit like the best. He stopped and he looked at Dylan, and then he looked at me. And then he looked back at Dylan, and then he said, Dad, I think I know how much you love me. Yes. That was one of the greatest moments of my life. That's the whole idea of marriage. It's, 
It's to show you the very love of God. You know what tickles me the most, honestly? It tickles me. I love it. When I talk with young people about to get married, and I say to them, you know, you're going to have children? Yes. Oh, gosh, that's so great. You're gonna, it's going to be one of the greatest experiences of your life. You know, and I don't scare them and tell them what it's all really going to be like because it's, it's, it's scary. But, you know, I hear every once in a while someone will say to me, oh, no, I understand. I say, oh, you got kids? No, no, no. I have a dog. I, I don't ever laugh. To, I don't, I, in fact, I, I could play poker, I think, because I try not to show anything. But inside of me, I am roaring. I am just roaring because as soon as that baby is born, that dog is going to wonder, what the heck happened in this house? I thought she liked me. There's nothing like a love of a child. And God brings within the intimacy of marriage. And let's face it, folks, Hollywood in this world in which we live today is trying to destroy marriages. I mean, there are people that just openly and, 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 and say without any hesitation that they'll not get married, and yet they live together and have children. And God brought that blessing into a family atmosphere so that we would understand what is the true commitment of a family to one another. And all of this is brought into a marriage and so much more. It's a reflection of Jesus Christ's love for us and our love for Him in return. And so think about it. Just think, just, just think with me, please. Can you not see why Satan... Can you not see why Satan... Can you not see why Satan is so hell-bent on destroying families and marriages... Can you not see it? Because in so doing, he stops the reflection of Jesus Christ in the church. He stops the whole principle principle that God ordained in Ephesians 5, 32. This mystery is great, he says, but I am talking in reference to Jesus Christ and the church. You see, if he, Satan, can destroy marriages and all that it stands for, then he can destroy or perhaps I should best say cloud over the picture of Jesus Christ in the church. See, God designed that through a godly marriage, non-believers will be drawn to the church and to Jesus Christ. I've seen it happen. I mean, I've seen, I see it happen when... I see it... I'm looking at the clock. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit... I'm going to be just this much late. Please forgive me. I've seen it happen when I was in the ministry with athletes. It was a great, great time, and I loved that ministry. And I saw, I, I saw when when I would sometimes go on road trips with them. The team would invite me to to go on a road trip, and I'd see guys that went to chapel. All of a sudden, I could see they were running all around, you know, just being unfaithful to their wives. And there were certain guys that just wouldn't do that. They just wouldn't do that. And they would get teased. The guys that wouldn't would get teased by the other guys. Oh, what are you, you know, you and your wife, blah, 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 you know, and all that stuff that guys say in the locker room. I don't know if they'll do that at work. But I'll tell you something. The moment those guys that were running around and their wives get into some sort of a trouble, something bad happens, the first person they run back to are the guys that they uh, saw not running around and ask them, how do you do this? How did you handle your marriage in such a fashion that, that you're not running into these kinds of troubles. And then those guys would, would have a chance to introduce those players to Jesus Christ in a real way. 
You see, the mystery called marriage has been and always shall be God's plan to reflect through your marriage, a godly marriage, the reflection of Jesus Christ, just as He is supposed to be reflected in this place. When people come here and visit us and they're not believers, they ought to see the love of Christ. They ought to see a a blend of all sorts of races of people sitting together and loving one another. Of people just getting along, being submissive and, and having godly authority and understanding that whole principle. And it should draw them to Jesus Christ. There's no greater reflection than a godly church working together in a godly marriage. You ever wonder why? Do you ever wonder why the Mormon church grows so quickly? It does, you know. It's a fast-growing organization, the Mormon church. Let me ask you a question. When you think about the Mormon church, what hits your mind? What do you think about in Mormon church? Somebody say families? Pretty much it. The choir and families. At least that's what I think of. Let me tell you something. God will bless His promise even in spite of heresy. By that I mean people will be attracted even to a false religion when biblical principles are lived out and practiced. And so when a non-believer sees a good marriage and families that get along, they'll be attracted to, the, to that even if the rest of the doctrine is false. And so Christians, so I can't speak to all churches. I can speak to us, to the Rock Community Church. We ought to get off of our duffs, so to speak. Get our church and our marriage in order so that when people see us, they see a reflection of Jesus Christ and they'll want what we have so that we might draw people to the truth. There's only one way to understand that, and it's to understand God's way. And God's way is so simple, I I can't believe that people miss it. But we'll be studying it in the weeks to come. We're going to do a whole series on what we call Reverse the Curse, the family series. Sufficient to say, gentlemen, if you want to have an assignment that might get you in trouble, but nonetheless, if you would like to have an assignment... I would ask you to go home tonight and if you have a time, ask your wife, how are you doing? How are you doing in your marriage? i never forget. One day I was taking Kay out to lunch as we have Norm to do. We, I date her all the time. I date her even though we are married. I still, we'd still date and we still have those wonderful times with one another. And I couldn't wait to date her this time. We were going out to a restaurant, someplace I wanted to go to and and I, I was, couldn't wait to say, how am I doing? Because I wanted that gold star, you know, put right here on my forehead. Because I was doing great. And I asked her, how am I doing? And she says, just terrible. And I went, oh man, it, it took all the wind out of my sails. And I had two choices at that moment. I could have said to her, you know, there's the door. If you don't like what I'm doing, I'm doing the best I know how. And if you don't like it, there's the door. But I had enough knowledge of the Word of God in me to go to the second option. (laughs) And the second option was a simple one. I said, please forgive me. What can I do to make it better? 
And man, I, holy smokes, where did she get this list from? I have no idea. But she knew exactly what I ought to do to make it better. And I'm thinking, instead I went, you're right, forgive me, let's make it better. We had a great lunch. I tell you what, ladies will tell you this, guys. If you ask that question and you're not willing to listen, that question is meaningless. Absolutely, utterly meaningless. I've heard women say, I've talked to my husband over and over and over again, and there's no change. Guys, you can be a man in your marriage, or you can be a husband in your marriage. If you're going to be a husband, which God asks you and me to be in our marriages, then you need to love your wife like Jesus Christ loves us. Can you imagine what He would do to us if He loved us like we do our wives sometimes? If He wouldn't say to us, I forgive you, you know, make it well. So we're going to be going through this, and it'll be, I think, revolutionary. I think even if your marriage is good, I think you're going to learn things that'll, that'll take it to another place better. And for those of us that maybe are having a little bit of a problem, I, I promise you this will minister to your hearts because it won't be my ideas. It will be what the Bible has to say about marriage. Next week, we'll be in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. And we're going to see how it all started, why it all started, and then we're going to see if we have the time why the word submission to a woman is really bad. It's a tough word. Father in heaven, bless us, bless us, please bless us. Thank you so much for everybody here. Thank you for just the life of this church, the, the way it's growing and what you're doing here, Father the changes that are being made and the young people that we're trying to reach for the cause of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, thank you for those that donated the, the trusses and uh, who allowed the young people to go on the bus to, to winter camp and those who so graciously gave televisions that we might have here to just upgrade our church, to make it the place that I believe you want it to be. I pray your blessings upon everybody here, Father. Thank you for each one. In Jesus' most precious name, I give you thanks. Amen. I love you all. Love you all so much. Have a great day. I love you all very much. See you next week.